0: When I was in sixth grade, well, actually a little younger, I used to, <coughs> they, the, the, I grew up in Willoughby, Ohio, and uh, that's pretty far from here. Amen. And uh, cold, too. So in the summertime, uh, we would, they didn't have a municipal pool as of yet, and uh, I remember we had to swim in this river. And they had this municipal place called Daniels Park, and they had a little kids' pool and then a real little kids' pool. and then the older kids and adults had to swim in this river. <laughs> anyway, this river was uh, had later condemned <laughs> because it was so filthy. Um, <clears throat> but that was that's what we did. and uh, they had this they called it the dam. And uh, there was water going over this dam, and they had this cable on which you walked, and it was slippery. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I'm surprised people didn't die. A lot of people didn't die on that. And uh, so I um, I remember going down there, and it just was it was it was challenging. I have to say, a lot of fun, yeah, I guess, but more challenging. And uh, I remember they had this concession stand. Uh, of which I got biddle honey. Uh, do you remember those at all? Biddle honey, uh, slow pokes. That's where you pulled your fillings out, and uh, they, they were hard candy, and I'd suck on those all day. And they uh, anyway, uh, I'd go to this place, and uh, the guy that worked behind it. I think in fifth grade, maybe fourth or fifth grade, we walked everywhere, and sometimes we hitchhiked. You don't do that today, Mm-mm. but in our my day. You, you could actually do that without too much fear. And uh, so I, I would walk home, et cetera. And the guy that ran the concession stand, his name was Jim. And Jim, Jim was a senior in college. <clears throat> now, get this. Guy was a senior in college. His girlfriend was homecoming queen at the high school. and They, they were high school sweethearts. And, um, and he was a handsome guy. She was beautiful, and he worked at this concession stand, and he was my friend. And it was really interesting, too. You know how when kids, uh, the adults will treat you like you're little kids and you shouldn't be seen or heard. (laughs) You can be seen but not heard, right? But some guys, they treat you like you shouldn't be seen at all. And... um, uh, so people treat you like you're stupid sometimes. They, they treat kids like they're stupid because they're just older. And, uh, and I, felt, I felt that way sometimes. I felt like uh, folks treated me like that. I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? But Jim, Jim never treated me that way. In fact, I remember we walked up from this low part area, and we had to walk up this long path through the woods and then come out onto the subdivision area, the street. And Jim actually asked me my opinion of things. I just thought to myself, this guy, and I knew what he was doing. He was my friend. He's a senior in college. I'm fourth grade, fifth grade, and he is just treating me like a normal human being and uh, actually like a friend. And he would ask me what I thought about this. And I remember we were just walking along. It was almost like uh, Andy of Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> it was very similar, you know, this road going down. It was a dusty stone uh, road and all this called Rose Lawn, you know. And we'd, walk, we'd be walking along there and it was, just, uh, it was just really a great time. And so he... He lived over in Highland Road, and I lived on Wood Street. So we parted, and he walked on, and I went down to my house. And I, just, I never forgot that. I never forgot, uh, his, actually, his kindness. Now I'm in sixth grade, and I'm laying in bed. And you know how it is when you're in sixth grade. You're laying in bed. You're going, and you're supposed to be sleeping. My dad's home office was right next to my bedroom. And the phone rings. And there's no cell phones. It was the old, the old phone with the cord, you know, you you know, that kind of thing. So we get the phone, and that ringer was really loud. I mean, I'm telling you. No, I'm It just was really, really a loud ringer. And it went off, I'd say maybe 10, 1030 at night. And my mom answers the phone, and I could hear her. And she goes something like this. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget how I felt. Oh, hi. No. No. You're kidding. When? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, please say no. No anything I can do. Jim was killed. Killed in an automobile accident. Still bothers me. He was in the backseat of a car at the Miami University in Miami, Ohio. And they got hit and he was killed. I lived in a small town of Willoughby, Ohio and I you know, that shocked me. I mean, I definitely was not going to sleep after that. Because a couple of things that really got, got me. First of all, I did not know where Jim was. And I had no idea where I was going. Had no idea. And scared out of my mind. Just absolutely scared. Scared out of my mind and I thought to myself so what I did was a couple of days later see my parents forbade me to go down to the funeral home uh, you're not allowed to do that but see in my neighborhood you could walk at night you know it was not a country place but it wasn't big it wasn't metropolitan it was uh, 20 miles northeast of Cleveland Ohio and so I, I snuck out I snuck out, I went down to Davis funeral home. And I went into the in into the area where they had the viewing for Jim. It was a closed casket, never forgot it. And I as I'm walking in, they're carrying out his fiancee, this beautiful woman. And um, Kathy Dunn. And I she they had to carry her. She was just beside herself. And understandably. It's really understandably. And I never forgot that. Just looking in on that. Like a sixth grader. Just going, oh man. And scared. Absolutely scared. Uh, of, of the whole scene of death. And I just didn't. I didn't even like it. Uh <laughs> didn't like it at all. And I thought to myself, I'm, I'm terrified. I am just absolutely terrified. I was that way up until 18. 18 years of age, I remember a friend of mine who is a Methodist. I was raised Irish, Roman, Catholic. He was a Methodist. He came up and told me that Jesus loved me. (laughs) And I knew he was a Methodist, see? And I knew he was going to hell. Because us Catholics had a corner on God. You know? And I thought if we ever have, and I really did think this, I I thought if we ever have an accident, and I'm with Dave Weibel, that was his name, and I'm with Dave Weibel, we have an accident, and he's dying, I'm going to have to spit on his forehead to baptize him. You know, I'll do that kind of thing. Because any kind of water, then that'll do it for him. You know, I'll, I'll baptize you. And that, that might, you might get to heaven, but you can't really know at all. Because my religion was teaching me and, was, and teaches everybody that belongs to that religion that you cannot know. Because if you do know, that's called the sin of presumption. I was trained that way from earliest on you can't know and I just thought to myself wow Dave Weibel a Methodist coming up to me and telling me that Jesus loved me <laughs> what's wrong with this picture that's exactly what I thought so I, I said to him I said uh, yeah he goes oh yeah and he showed me from the Bible how I could know for sure that when I die I could go to heaven because I didn't think you could know. I didn't think it was possible you could know. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that tells me that I could know. I didn't know. <laughs> it's a lot I didn't know. I didn't know that this verse even existed. Because I didn't know much of the Bible at all. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know. I was told by the priest that you can't. I was. You cannot know. Because if you do know, that's the sin of presuming on God. You cannot know. When I'm reading from the Bible, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. I asked myself the question. Here's what I asked. Who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe some guy or some church? Or am I going to believe the Bible? Believe the Bible. That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. But everywhere in God's Bible is the truth. That's right. That's right. And when it talks about knowing something, I desperately wanted to know. I desperately wanted to know. So I asked him about it. I asked my friend Dave about it. How can a person know this? How can a person know that when they die, they can go to heaven? And it was simple. It really is simple. But the action is so profound, it's incredible. Did you know that Jesus actually lived? Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus actually lived in time and space? Uh, we, we know that just like we know that George Washington lived. We know that we, that, um, well, name some historical people that are now dead, right? We know that Jesus lived. History tells us this. History verifies this. Everybody believes that unless you park your spaceship somewhere, I mean, you know, really. I mean, I've got ah, Jesus never never existed. What planet are you on? Because everybody believes that. And not only this, but here's here's the cool part about about Jesus. Not only did he live, but what did he say? So if a guy comes up to me and he says to me, you know, I've got I've got power. I'm really something. I'm really And here's what I'm going to do. I'm God in the flesh. And that's exactly what Jesus said. And I am going to die on a cross. And three days later, I'm going to rise again from the dead physically. Yeah? Yeah. And he said it to a whole bunch of people. You're going to do that? Now, if I was a skeptic, if I was a person that went, I'm going to follow this guy around and to see if he did that, if he's going to do that. So I follow the guy around and he dies on this Roman cross, right? Three days later, he rises again from the dead for everybody to see. Now, if that happened, if that took place, I would listen to what he had to say, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I'd listen to what a person who said something like that, and it happened. I would listen to what he had to say. Did you realize, folks? I just got to tell you, I, I double dog dare you. If you're like sitting here going, "This is some religious thing. This is some religious." Action, You know, look at where, we're at a church, man. What are we doing here? You know, and this is some religious kind of thing. We hope that this is true, but it's panacea time. It's maybe you can get this right, right? That's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think. I've been on college campuses. I've been on the streets. I know pretty much what people think regarding that. I was in Wall Street one time. You know a double dog dare? That's pretty serious. When you go, I double dog dare you, man. All right. Well, I was in Wall Street, I triple dog dared him. I couldn't say quadruple then, but I would have. I double dog dared him and asked these guys in Wall Street, the suits, you know, the guys who were making the money and the killing and all that with the the money, you know, the stock exchange, all that. I said, what do you got that's better than this? What do you got that's better than this? And I, I actually got kind of demonstrative. These guys, you know, from Harvard, from Yale, from Princeton, and from NYU, they're all making money on the stock exchange. And I said... I want to know, what do you got that's better than this? And I waited. I said, what do you got that's better than this? What is it that's better than knowing that your sins can be forgiven? Knowing that you have a home in heaven. Knowing that you have purpose in life. What do you got that's better than this? How much money? Cocaine will do it for you? What do you got that's better than this? And it's called zippity-doo-dah. Nothing. You know why? Because what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he claimed it, he did it, he demonstrated that he was God in the flesh, and then he rose again from the dead physically. This is, this is Easter. Easter bunnies didn't die for us and didn't rise again from the dead. And we got this candy and the egg hunts and all that. And That's all cool and all that kind of stuff. Chocolate, I can't handle it anymore. It used to give me zits. Anyway, oh, no. so... But you look at this kind of stuff and you, and you say to yourself, man, this is, this, is this what Easter is all about? No, 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 not at all. Easter is about what Jesus Christ did on the cross three days prior, and then rose again physically from the dead, three days later, and overcame death. Overcame death for us. You know, it's an interesting thing. It is a really interesting thing, because when I look at this situation that God has presented to us, that he died for us, rose again from the dead for us, and history verifies that so strongly. I, I, like, I like this verse in the Bible. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall, the, uh, then shall uh, be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. See, one of the things that's a killer about this, sorry about this, I'm sorry if you're doing weightlifting, if you're uh, running to improve your speed, uh, if you're using oil of Olay, if you're taking vitamins uh, and you're going to uh, take that elixir that's on the TV, you know, if I take this, I'm going to be 30 pounds lighter and 20 years younger, uh, all this kind of stuff. And then you walk out. My big thing is my, I go to the doctors and the doctor said, I just want to tell you something, Chris, your triglycerides are perfect. Your blood pressure is incredible. You have the best skin. It's just amazing. And no wrinkles. And you have all this kind of stuff. It's just your cognitive information. I mean, all the junk. They give give me the thorough physical. Everything is fantastic. You're the perfect specimen. I go, thanks, Doc. Walk out and get hit by a cab. (laughs) Everybody on this planet is going to die. In fact, I was telling somebody about the movie, What About Bob? Did you ever see that one? What About Bob? That is a telling movie because in the line, one of the lines, supposed to be funny, right? But not this. the, The kid is sitting there. His name is Siggy, after Sigmund Freud. His father was a psychiatrist and they named him Siggy. And Bob, Bill Murray, Bob is laying there, and they're both, in. and he goes, the kid, Siggy goes, he's 12 years of age, he goes, we're going to die. We're all going to die. And can't do a thing about it. We're all going to die. But see, what Siggy fails to understand, and that is, he's absolutely a fact. You know, what he said was absolutely a fact. What he fails to understand is, that that's not the end. It's not. We're going to go somewhere. We're different than Lassie. We're different than a porpoise flipper. We're different than a lot of animals. And I tell you why. You have a soul. It's going to go somewhere. Where are you going? Where in the world are you going? I like this passage because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. Those are facts that are historically verifiable. I mean, it's something that is absolutely a fact. You cannot deny that those are the facts. In fact, I tell people, show us if you believe that Jesus never rose again from the dead, prove it. And I quadrupled Dog Daria to go ahead and try to prove that Jesus never rose again from the dead. In an honest inquiry. Just don't say, oh, he didn't do it. I was at Rutgers University one time. And I was preaching and I said that Jesus rose again from the dead. And the kid going, some kid going standing there like this. Some college student. He, I, and that's why he kept, he kept going. So after the meeting I came up to him and I said... My name is Chris, and he gave his, his name was Danny. And I said, uh, Danny, would he, you were shaking your head no. He goes, he didn't do it. I said, he didn't rise again from the dead? He goes, no, he never rose again from the dead. I said, you got proof of that? No, but I know he didn't do it. I said, if I can show you proof using the laws of evidence that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead physically. Would you believe it? He goes, he didn't do it. I said, if I can show you, he didn't do it. (laughs) I said, you remind me of a man who says, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. (laughs) You know, and that's true. That is true. We were in Israel, oh, about four years ago, and we were lined up to see the empty tomb where it is said that Jesus rose again from the dead. It's empty. It's not no corpse there. It's empty, right? So we're all lining up, and these three Israeli girls, I think I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to share it with you again. They come cutting in. Yeah, we've got an appointment. Can we go and see? So, <laughs> what are you going to say? You're at the tomb. You know. Now, wait just Wait your turn. You know? No, we let them in, and they come walking out, and I stopped the three girls. I'm in line. I stopped the three girls because they were passing me. And I said, I said to them, I said, um, what would you think? And one of the girls became the spokesman for the three. And they said, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, what was the significance of that? And I said, if you can prove, if you can prove that Jesus never rose again from that grave, you have just destroyed Christianity. Because it all hinges on that. It all hinges on that. And the beautiful thing about it is, he actually did it. It's actually historically verifiable. And you can believe it. You can lean your whole weight on him as your personal Savior. Like you're leaning your whole weight on the benches. You can lean your whole weight on him as your personal Savior. And he'll wash away your sin. Because Jesus died on that cross as a substitute for you. He paid the penalty for you. And he paid it in full. I'd like to know, how do you get rid of your sin? And how do you get rid of the guilt that goes along with it? In South Beach, they drink it and shoot it and snort it away. not just South Beach. They do it all over the place. Los Angeles, California. They do it in New York. I mean, they're doing all this kind of stuff. Why? Because there is an incredible emptiness inside human beings. And it's because of sin. Sin creates an incredible vacuum and emptiness. And only Jesus Christ can fill that emptiness. He's the only one. And that, that, you know, it says death is swallowed up in victory. Because when you're going to face it, you will face this. And maybe you have faced it with the death of a loved one, but you personally will face this. And when you know Jesus is your own personal Savior, He guarantees you life that never ends. So you may die physically, but you will go either heaven or hell, one of the two. And the question is, which one for you? Which one for you? Because when he says death is swallowed up in victory, you know, I, was, I played high school, and uh, junior high, or grade school, junior high, high school, and college basketball. When I was in high school, I, I, uh, I'd come home from the courts, and we used to have the milkman come, and they'd have these quart bottles of milk. <laughs> really cool. They were cold, too. And I'd get ice cream headaches on this, and I'd pop the top. It was a paper top. Pop it off. And then I'd go, bleh, bleh, bleh. I don't even think I went, bleh. It just like, boom, right down. Bleh, 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 bleh. And it was like bubbles and everything. And my mom hated when I did that. Uh, but there was no backwash because there was no... Milk left. (laughs) I just downed the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Headache time because it was so cold. You know, that's what I would do. I drank that milk down to extinction. It was history. That's exactly what is the word defined in the Greek New Testament. Because the New Testament was written in the Greek, swallowed up. It means to be drunk down to extinction. In other words, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he made death be swallowed up by life. That's exactly the, what the word means. And in 2 first, first, Corinthians chapter 5, that is exactly what he says. For we, for, that, uh, for we that are in this tabernacle, meaning the body, do groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Swallowed up. Isn't that fantastic? You can know for sure that when you die, you can go to heaven. I want to ask you, do you know that? I'm, I'm asking you right this, right this very second. Do you know that? If you were to die tonight, where would you go? You can't answer that question. You must answer that question. Where would you go? You might be sitting here going, I I, I don't know. I want to know. I hope you're saying that. And I hope... (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Would it be wise or foolish to ignore this? If you're talking about we're all going to die, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere, and you don't know, would it be, and you could possibly know, would it be wise or foolish to ignore this? I think it would be foolish to listen to it, give it screen. And I, I, I mean, challenge me on this thing. I don't believe the New Testament documents are credible. Let's go at it. If that's where it is. Or I don't believe that he historically didn't do this. Go at it. Please do this. Because your life is on the line. If this is right, you're going to perish without him. But if this is right, and it is, and you trust him, you will have life. And not only life eternal and a home in heaven but you will have meaning and purpose in life, everything changes. And you've been looking for a change. Because you're sick of yourself. You are. You're sick of yourself. And only in our pride, we think we're doing pretty good. But you know the story in reality. You really do. You know the story in reality. It's sickening. And i got to... I guarantee this one. You're like me, you're afraid to die. They asked this preacher. His name was George Barton. And this little boy came up to George Barton. He was a preacher in Canada. And the kid grabbed his pants and tugged on his pants a little bit. And he said, Mr. Barton, are you afraid to die? And George looked at him, and he goes, <laughs> perfect. He goes, no, I'm not afraid to die. But I'm not too keen on it. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I don't want to, I mean, who wants to die? <laughs> you know, right there, but we're going to. You know, we're going to. And when I trusted Christ as my personal Savior in the basement of my friend's house, Dave Weibel, March 22, 1971, my sins were forgiven. And I knew that I had a home in heaven because the Bible says, I write these things unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. And there's a verse in the New Testament that I wanted to read to you that defined defined me uh, at that moment. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same, became a man, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them. Who? Who? Through fear of death. That was me. Through fear of death. I read that when I first read that verse, I could not believe that the verse like that would be in the Bible. Because it described me perfectly. Who through death, or through the fear of death. Notice what it says. Well, it's in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Or Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And that was me. I was scared to die. I couldn't believe the Bible said exactly how I felt. It doesn't have to be that way with you. It doesn't have to be that way with you. You can know for sure right this very moment if you were to die, you could go to heaven. Would you like that? Yes. I would and if you if you want this, I'm telling you right now, if you want this, you can have it. This very moment. Simply recognize a few things. Recognize that you are a sinner and that you cannot save yourself from your own sin. Recognize that Jesus Christ is not a swear word, but a Savior. Recognize that He is God in the flesh, and that He did die on that cross for you. And that three days later, He rose again physically from the dead for you personally. And then ask Him to be your personal Savior. Would you like to do that? Do pray If you'd like to, I want you to say it silently, not out loud. Okie doke. Silently, not out loud. I want you to pray with me. Silently, not out loud. I don't want to, you know, you can say it under your breath, but silently. But pray it to him. Okie doke. Pray something like this with me. You can have your eyes open, but make sure your lips are closed. You can kneel down if you want. You can lay down. God does not look at the position of the body. He looks at the attitude of the heart. If the prayer that I'm about to pray expresses what you would like to say to God, make these words your own words and pray them to Him. All prayer does is help you to say what you'd like to say to God. All right? That's all it does. It's not a magical formula. All it does is help you to say, He's the one who saves you, not the prayer. All prayer is is just talking to God. Expressing what your heart's desire is. Pray something like this with me. Pray right now. Okie doke. If you want to bow your head and close your eyes, you can do that. You don't have to. But make these words your own words. Mean it with all sincerity and pray it to Him. Okie doke. Pray something like this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I cannot wash away my own sin by anything I can do. And I ask you, come into my heart and life and be my own personal Savior. Because I know that You are God in the flesh and that You did die on that cross and shed Your blood to wash away my sins. And that three days later, You rose again physically from the dead for me. Be my Savior right now. And help me to be the person you want me to be according to your word, the Bible. I mean this with all my heart. And you know if I'm kidding around or not. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, the Bible teaches clearly in John 5:24, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Just like that. Instantaneous. Fantastic. So if you prayed that sincerely and you asked Him to be your Savior and you asked Him to forgive you of your sin and be your personal Savior, He did it. He did it. He did it. I mean, that's... Everything's different. Everything's changed. And I'm not going to... That's all the singing I'm going to do. It's all done. And if you want to talk to Dave... He'd be happy to talk with you. Talk to Aaron right over there. Aaron, raise your hand, my brother. Yeah, right over there. And there are a few of us that we, if you want to talk to us, we'd be happy to talk with you about it. We're not going to sign you up even to be a member of this church because you really can't. Because if you know Jesus, you already are. (laughs) So that's what I love about what the New Testament says about ecclesiology. So, okie doke. I'm glad we had this discussion. Thanks for letting me talk to you about it. And, uh, you know, my mom died and my father is gone. But I rejoice not as those who have no hope. Because there's only one hope. And it's in Jesus. Because he not only died on the cross, but he rose again from the dead. And I want to tell you something right now. And this is not politically correct. Nobody else can claim that. Islam cannot claim that. Buddhism cannot claim that. Confucianism cannot claim that. Only Jesus can claim that. There's no greater love that you'll ever experience than that. There is no greater love, not even the love of a woman or a guy or a love of kids or anybody. No greater love. Because God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's love. Father, thank you so much for this and ask you to confirm to our New brothers and new sisters, if they've trusted you today, confirm it to their hearts through your word and also minister to them abundantly and help this particular group of believers to minister to them. And we just want to say thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for seeing our need and answering it, even when we have rejected you so many times before. Thank you and help us to live for you and to tell others about you. And we thank you that He is risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.